So that's Hebrews chapter three, starting at verse seven. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore, it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thanks so much, uh, Anna, for that. Just one second as I set this up. Thank you. 
Wonderful. Well, my name is Ryan, if I haven't met you before, um, and it's my pleasure to fill in for Joel. I'm one of the uh, associates at a church called St. Helens, and part of the training is to come and help at the lunchtime talks here. Um, in a former life, I was living in Australia and working as a physiotherapist, um, so this wasn't my full-time job, so take it easy on me. <laughs> um, so let's have a look. What happens if I stop responding to God? I want you to picture this, uh, a Christian, they've been uh, doing their daily Bible reading, uh, going along to every church meeting, um, listening to sermon podcasts on the tube, um, getting along to every lunchtime talk, doing all those things, uh, but deep down something's going on in their heart or something's not going on. Um, they're doing all those things that I've just mentioned, but it's just become a bit of a going through the motions, um, has become as mechanical as brushing teeth. And if they stopped and thought for maybe just like a second, if they were being really honest, it's been a long time since they responded to God, uh, responded uh, in prayer, uh, with faith, uh, with repentance, with belief. Um, they've been hearing God speak but stopped responding. What happens if I stop responding to God? What's the big deal? What's the harm? And maybe um, for the original audience, of Hebrews, they were asking the same question. What happens if I stop responding to God? I mean, they've heard the gospel a while ago, um, responded to it, uh, but maybe now they've gotten tired of hearing just the same old thing over and over again. Jesus is Lord. We get it. We know. Um, they're getting a bit tired of hearing the same truth. And maybe all the external actions suggest that they're going well, but internally something's going on in their hearts or not going on. So what's the harm? What happens if I stop responding to God? And it's into this situation that the author of Hebrews, he delivers this warning in today's passage, and he warns them, don't harden into unbelief because you will fail to enter God's rest. And then he starts with this big proof text, the second half of Psalm 95, and then he's going to lay out the commands. He's going to say, don't harden into unbelief because you will fail to enter God's rest. And then finally, he's going to say, it's decision time. What are you going to do? So let's start at the top. Don't harden into unbelief. That's point number one, if you're following on the handout. Um, let me just read for you uh, verses 7 to 11 of chapter 3. And therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So the author of Hebrews, he takes Psalm 95 as his big sermon text. I think this section is a bit of a sermon. And then he launches straight into application. doesn't mess around. And this is the application, verse 12. Uh, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. He's calling for a bit of a heart check here. He's saying, check that your heart isn't evil and unbelieving. Check that verse 13 it hasn't been hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And the idea of hardened hearts is, a, is an Old Testament idea. Both Israel and Pharaoh's hearts were hard. They saw the amazing acts of God, 
Uh, they, yet they refuse to believe him. They refuse to believe in his power. They refuse to obey him. So how is your heart? How is your heart? Has it gone cold to God's amazing act? Has it grown dull to his voice? Has it grown hard? How's your heart? But what causes hard hearts? Well, the author of Hebrews warns that the cause of hard hearts is the deceitfulness of sin. That's what causes hearts to harden, the deceitfulness of sin. I was, uh, like I said, I was a physio and I used to work on a cardiology ward or a heart ward. And the patients that ended up on that ward were there with heart attacks because they'd spent years putting toxins into their body, things like cigarettes or alcohol or just unhealthy food. But those things were things that looked really appealing and good and even alluring at the time, but literally caused their hearts to harden. And that's what the author of Hebrews says sin does to our spiritual hearts. It looks good, but it's deadly. Tolerate a bit of sin here. Stop fighting it there. Let sin in. And bit by bit, the heart grows hard. The deceitfulness of sin. And the result, what is the result of a hardened heart? What does a hard heart do? Well, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't respond. It's lifeless. So it doesn't respond. Uh, on the cardio ward, we had patients whose hearts had literally stopped responding to the nerve signals from the brain because the tissue, the heart tissue, was dead and stiff. It was lifeless. Hard hearts don't respond to the word of God. And this is exactly what happened to the Exodus generation. Uh, this is the generation, remember, of Israelites that had, uh, were slaves in Egypt but had been rescued by God through plagues, through parting the Red Sea, through the desert. They were given water from a rock, bread from heaven. This is the generation that God saves with his mighty hand. This is the generation that heard time and time again the voice of God telling them that he would rescue them and bring them into his promised rest. They heard and they saw the voice, uh, the rescue of God. They heard the voice of God. What did they do? Well, verse 16, they rebelled. Verse 17, they provoked the Lord for 40 years. They sinned. Verse 18, they disobeyed. Verse 19, they did not believe. Hard hearts don't hear God. Sorry, hard hearts hear God, but don't respond. Hard hearts hear God, but don't believe. And the author of Hebrews says, don't harden your hearts into unbelief because, point number two, because you'll fail to enter God's rest. Uh, he says in verse 19, <clears throat> so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. That is an unbelieving hard heart means no entry, no entry into God's rest. And this is exactly the point of the Exodus generation illustration. It's exactly the point of the Psalm 95 quotation. Um, unbelief prevented God's rescued people from entering his promised rest. But yes, God rescued them. But verse 17, their bodies fell in the wilderness. Their bones lie in the wastelands. Their graves are right on the edge of the promised land. 
They're like, they're so close, but so far. Unbelief prevented them from entering God's rest. Unbelief kept them out. And so they died restless. And consider how shocking uh, their unbelief is. Remember what they'd seen and heard. Uh, God said he'd rescue them from slavery, and he did. He said he'd strike down Pharaoh with his mighty hand, and he did. He said he'd lead them safely through the desert to his promised land, and he did. He said he'd provide for them water and food, and he did. He said he'd rescue and protect them, and he did. Every step of the way, he kept his word. Yet at the final test, just outside the promised rest, when he said, trust me, I'll get you in, they didn't believe him. They said, let's turn back. Let's go to Egypt. And so God was angry. God was angry. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Like petulant children, like angsty teenagers, God's hard-hearted people refused to believe that he loved them. They refused to believe in him and obey him. And so God said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So unbelief will leave us restless as it left the Exodus generation restless, dead outside the promised rest. And now the author of Hebrews, he turns directly to his audience and adds yet another reason not to harden into unbelief. Because the promise of rest still stands. At chapter 4, verse 1, let me read that for you. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. The promise of entering the rest still stands. That is, the door is still open and you're not through it yet. You're still mid-flight to the Maldives. You haven't landed yet. And he goes on. Verses 8 to 10 of chapter 4. Let me read that. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. And this is the point that even though the Israelites eventually made it into the promised land, Uh, The rest in that land was just temporary. It wasn't real. It was just kind of, it was a preview. It was the waiting room. It was uh, the arrivals hall before you step out into the Maldives. Joshua didn't give them real rest. It was just a shadow pointing to the final real true rest, the Sabbath rest for the people of God. And this final true Sabbath rest, is nothing less than a return to a greater garden, a better garden of Eden. And this is the true, final, real rest for the people of God. And the author of Hebrews has warning, you're not in yet. Don't get caught outside the promised rest. Don't get barred from the true rest. Don't be denied entry to the greater garden. A couple of weeks ago, I was meant to go to a Kaylee, which is a um, traditional Scottish dance. 
with a couple of friends. I was told I had to buy a ticket, had to book a ticket. I was reminded I knew the discounted tickets had already sold out. I ignored the warnings. I delayed booking. And so the day before the event, went to book it online. But we guessed it, sold out. Now, if I'd actually wanted to go, that would have been devastating. Don't tell my friends that, actually. Um, but as it turns out, probably the reason that I delayed it was kind of a subconscious fear of publicly humiliating myself through my inability to dance. But because I didn't really want to go, missing out wasn't all that bad. But this final true Sabbath rest is not something you want to miss out on. It's the final rest. There's, there's no other rest. There's, no, there's nothing other. It's not some Kaylee you're okay with missing out on. It's the final rest for the people of God. This is the rest you've been waiting for. This is the one you've been longing for. This is the rest you were created for. And in the last few verses of this uh, passage, the author of Hebrews, he throws down the gauntlet. He says, it is decision time. It's time to make a choice. Knowing hard hearts kill, knowing God's rest is still to be had. He asks, what we do? Point number three, that's decision time. Uh, let me read for you verse 11 of chapter four. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So the author of Hebrews says, in light of all we've heard, strive, press on with single-minded determination. Put the noise-canceling headphones in, keep listening to God and keep responding to him. But the real genius of his sermon comes in um, verses 12 to 13 of chapter 4. He uses language rich with the Old Testament uh, imagery and uses echoes of Genesis and the Garden of Eden. And he does that to put us at the gates of the garden, not just the Garden of Eden, but the greater garden, the final full garden. He puts us, like the Exodus generation, at the edge of a promised rest. Only this time, it's not a temporary rest, but the full and final rest. Only this time, we've been rescued, not just from Egyptian slavery, but slavery to sin. And as the author of Hebrews has a standing at the gates of the greater garden, it's not just two angels with flashing swords and a standing guard. It's the word of God. Verse 12 to 13 of chapter 4. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's decision time. It's decision time. What are we going to do? We're going to die outside the greater garden full and final rest or enter in and die outside the new creation or enter in and for those who want to enter the author of Hebrews says the way in is simple and straightforward and the answer is back in chapter 4 verse 3 for we who have believed enter that rest that is, those who believe, those who trust God, they enter. 
Ethereum. So the right response to hearing God's word, hearing his voice, is to respond with faith. And for the Hebrew Christians, responding with faith is going to look like, back in chapter 3, verse 14, holding our original confidence firm to the end. That is standing with Jesus despite the pressure, despite the calls to announce him, despite the temptation to ignore him, to publicly declare that Jesus is Lord. Even if our friends call us crazy, our families think we're fools, or our colleagues think we're mental, the right response to hearing God's words, to keep responding to him, to keep trusting him. The right response is faith. And so we, uh, we return to the question, what happens if I stop responding to God? Well, the author of Hebrews says it's simple. If we stop responding to God, we will die outside the gates of the greater garden. We will fail to enter God's full and final rest. So what will we do? Well, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Amen.